Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 19 of k Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is TF Joker. Joker, what's a crack, brother? What's going on? I've seen how much. We've been surprised to hear that we're on episode 19. Indeed. You know, we're almost 20 years of age. I mean, 20 episodes in. You know, currently legal to drink in my country, as as you were saying in our pre-production meeting, it was not quite uh, old enough to drink where you are, but, you know, we have lax, have lax laws when it comes to drinking. We are getting up there in age, if we go based on our episode numbers, but we are getting a little bit more seasoned, still rough around the edges, but, you know, we can work out some things, we can learn a few things, and we can always get better. Oh, yeah, yeah, another... 100% rough around the edges, and you know, I think that's our charm. Don't want us to be too polished, would be too charming, wouldn't we? Yeah, I do like the nature of us again, just two guys just chatting, talking about wrestling, making super obscure and weird references, and landing a joke that probably only two people listening would ever get, but we still, uh, we still or make just them. the two people talking. That too. <laughs> I think we're the only ones that get the references. It's like, uh yeah probably that's just wish over someone's head right now that's <laughs> yeah, all good but uh yeah it's always like we mentioned in every episode it's always a pleasure to talk to you brother and i'm glad you're uh glad you're doing well this week yeah yeah super interesting week in wrestling this week i know the hurricane uh, ian uh, which our thoughts are with a lot of the folks affected in the southeastern portion of the united states but that also had a factor to come into play for both the WWE and the AEW shows that happened this week. So a little bit sort of kind of changing up some segments or kind of things like that. But, you know, we hope everybody is okay and safe and, and nothing too crazy happened to them. But yeah, it led to interesting shows. Yeah, a lot of people missing from elements of the shows. And it was obvious for it was obvious for SmackDown. I don't know why I put an H in SmackDown there. Like it kind of uh, was more obvious for them in the uh, the Sheamus segment because uh, the brawling brutes weren't able to make it. But um, the rest of the time it was pretty fluid. Uh, segments probably ran a wee bit longer. Different people were, were probably involved and stuff. Um, but yeah, like you said, hopefully everyone who is affected is uh, is staying safe and uh, nothing has been too irreparably damaged. Um, and yeah, then we can all get back to regularly scheduled life as it is. Yeah, definitely. And hope everybody is okay out there. So, for sure. And then also, once again, thank you everybody for uh, checking us out or downloading the episodes as well as checking out the couple of latest shorts on the YouTube channel. The Sammy Zayn Honorary Oos Jay Uso Loses Hope uh, garnered some views. So we appreciate it so, so much. And thank you for all the comments and the views and everything. And it, uh, like I had mentioned before, I put a lot of work into the shorts themselves. So it's always nice when folks give us a chance to check it out. And uh, So again, thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. And if you do happen to watch the shorts, um, please do 
throw a wee comment down there and thank PT for his hard work because he does all the editing for these shows and for the shorts. And he does some stand-up job. So if you hear me asking this, please do throw a wee comment down and say thank you, PT. Because uh, you know, without him, I don't think we would have uh, such funny shorts going out for y'all to enjoy. Well, I appreciate the kind words and uh, thank you again, folks, for just giving us a chance. All right, before we jump into the show proper, uh, we here at Kayfabe are saddened to hear about the passing of Antonio Inoki. Um, our thoughts are with his family and friends at this time. All right, and as a reminder, you can find us and the aforementioned on video form at youtube.com slash Council. And an audio form wherever you get your podcast from. On this week's episode, we look at Jericho Appreciation Society's celebration to begin AW Dynamite. And we also look at the Ring of Honor World Championship match to end Dynamite. But coming up first, the Jericho Appreciation Society celebration. So, this, of course, as uh, once mentioned before, started off AW Dynamite. So the show opens with the Jericho Appreciation Society making their entrance all in matching purple suits, of course, cosplaying as Grimace. You get it, you get it. And we see Luigi Primo is in the ring, throwing dough around next to some tables with pizza on them. Angelo Parker asks the AEW Galaxy to appreciate them. And Daddy Magic talks about how he called the pizza guy in, and he asks what kind of pizza he made. Luigi says he made the best pizza from New York City. Of course, AEW came from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And the crowd wants pizza, but Anna Jay tells them they can't have it. But they can have the greatest Ring of Honor world champion of all time, the Ocho, Chris Jericho. So starting off here, just, man, those purple suits. That was something yeah, else, brother. Definitely reminded me of the hazelnut um, and caramel quality street that you get at Christmas time. Again, if you know, you know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I just remember seeing the giant, uh, the giant quality street going, oh, kind of want quality street right now. <laughs> um, the only thing we didn't see, which I didn't actually realize until it was mentioned to me, no Jake Hager. I was just about to mention because I looked at them. It looks like they had like when they did when it came up on the ramp and they like turned around and then turned back facing front. They had like a little bit of choreography. And I was like, man, there's a lot of those guys, folks out there. And then I was like, oh, yeah, no Jake. So, yeah, it would have been really good to see if because he has played along with a lot of the stuff like with the uh, the matching outfits, you know, with the Backstreet Boys, with the whole white gimmick uh, and things like this here. It would have been good to see Jake Hager in purple, um, but I think he was one of the aforementioned um, talent that were affected by Hurricane earlier this week. But uh, yeah, the... Um, I... I, <laughs> I don't know why, but every time... Um, we hear Cool Hand Ange go, AEW Galaxy, appreciate us. I just can't help but giggle. I just can't help but smile. He doesn't do it all the time. Obviously, it's a rib on Roman. Um, but 
it's just so good. It's just sports entertainment at its finest, and I love it. You love to be sports entertained. Definitely. Like, you know, I, I love the wrestling. There, there's very little you can say about good wrestling. Good wrestling's good wrestling. You just appreciate it. And, you know, even though I am not a wrestler uh, and I can appreciate good matches, um, I couldn't give you the technical intricacies. But whenever it comes to stories and things that I like, I can definitely tell you why it popped me, why this thing's good, what I'd like to see. So it's just one of those things. And this AW Galaxy Appreciate Us is definitely riling some people up, and I love to see it. Yeah, nice little jab sort of at the WWE and the Fed as a whole with them being sports entertainment and the WWE universe and the Roman uh, instead of acknowledge, it's appreciate. So again, nice little, just very, very subtle. I agree. I like that they don't do it all the time, but nice little kind of little, just a little jab right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely uh, the 2.0 guys. Uh, Matt Menard and uh, Kohan Danj. Um, they they bring an awful lot to these segments because they are very funny. They are very entertaining. But whenever they get in the ring as well, like they are very good. Um, these guys are just all around amazing. Uh, I think they are sort of filling the role of Proud and Powerful for me at the minute where they... They are a tag team in Chris Jericho's orbit that is not doing tag team things and not pursuing tag team gold, kind of like how Santana and Ortiz were um, back in the inner circle. So I would like to see them maybe do a little bit more with that. But um, if if all they need to polish up is is their promos, then this is really good. This is really good work for them. Yeah, for sure. So we get Chris Jericho jumping on the mic here and responding to the crowd's chance of we want pizza. Jericho also says that they can't have the pizza, but they can have the most important Ring of Honor world champion in history. He says more people have seen him with the belt than any other Ring of Honor world champion in history. And he's going to change the way Ring of Honor is remembered. And this is the era of Ring of Jericho. He's starting tonight with the with his title defense against one of the greatest today, former ROH world champion Bandito. But he's a wrestler, and sports entertainers always beat wrestlers. Chris turns to Daniel Garcia and puts him over, giving him a gift. And Garcia opens the box and pulls out a purple bucket hat. Then Jericho puts it on him, and they all celebrate while Daniel looks at on like, am I really part of this clown show? He takes the hat off and considers it and considers it before throwing it to the ground and decking Luigi Primo. And he says, this is enough. This isn't him. And he tolerated it for a little bit, but he's finally had enough. And he wants to tell Chris something, but he's been meaning to get it off his chest for a long time. And he thinks it's time for him to... But Jericho puts his hand on the mic and cuts him off, telling him to consider his actions wisely. Because the right decision means a long, happy career, but the wrong one means Chris takes him out tonight. So, to go back to the start of this little section, you know the sad, uh, is it 
sad trombone noises, but like just whenever you hear the uh, the see the bucket hat go on and the camera just looks at Garcia, all you hear is the sad trumpet or trombone noise, whatever it is, because he looked so dejected. <laughs> like, are you kidding me, man? Like, what's going on here? Like, Danny Garcia just made me pop with just the stupidest little look, and I loved it. Like, I didn't even care that he hit Luigi Primo. I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, whatever. The bucket hat got more of a pop out of me than the punch in Luigi Primo. Um, but definitely the continuation then on to him saying, you know, him, ha- him wanting to have the private word, you know, and then just getting thrown uh, next week. Next week, we'll talk about it next week. Uh, and him doing it in sort of this public forum and Jericho stopping him and all that. It was it's really good. Um, it definitely looks like we are... Okay, so the cynic in me is... This is typical Jericho, where he's going to get Garcia to play this up, play this up, and then be like, you thought we, I was going to betray my mentor, you know, Chris Jericho, but really, you know, I'm a sports entertainer through and through. Um, and it was all just so that he could humiliate Brian Danielson. Like legit, like that, that's the cynic in me. So the long is, con. Is, yeah. Like a, a, a big old long con. Um, and then, you know, the hopeful person in me is he gets to beat the tar out of Sammy Guevara. Um, and, uh, Chris Jericho. And then leave and join the Blackwell Country Club. Certainly interesting for sure. Yeah, you can definitely have the nice little moment of, again, Garcia liked the gift, but he was like, oh, it's okay. It's a hat. Okay, what am I really doing here? You know, Chris, I got, I just got to say something. Chris cuts him off. You can kind of feel the tension. You know, it's Mm. one of those things. So I, believe it was it was done simply but it was done very well and chris just saying like you might you might want to think about what you're gonna say type of thing and just kind of like half a threat but also half not a threat it's like just you want to make sure you know what you're doing but it also builds up that expectation though doesn't it like we're expecting garcia after the last two weeks of people chanting, you're a wrestler, uh, you know, to snap back to his senses and tell Jericho what's what and just kind of leave the clown show, as it were. Um, but because it's Jericho and his faction, you just you can never tell. Like, you have to remember, you have to take everything he does with a pinch of salt. Everything that surrounds him, there's the pinch of salt aspect in there um, where you have to be like, oh, this is going to happen, but wait. It's just going to be a swerve so that Jericho can, you know, take somebody else out. Yeah, for sure. And we have Jericho respond to Daniel as if he's a sports entertainer or a pro wrestler. Garcia takes a long, measured stare into Y2J's eyes. And then the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, makes his entrance, flanked by William Regal. Danielson gets in the ring and tells Jericho he needs to stop making decisions for Garcia. 
tells Daniel that he's a man and respects his decision. And if he wants to be with JAS or the BCC, he can do what he likes. And Chris tells Brian to shut up and, tell, and says Daniel Garcia belongs to him. He does what he wants. At that point, you're like, oh, you've said the wrong thing. Don't nobody own Danny Garcia, Chris Jericho, and he snapped. Yeah. We see Garcia yanks the mic out of his hand and he says he doesn't belong to Jericho and he doesn't have to do anything Chris tells him to do. And he makes a bunch of mocking suggestions as to what he could do to be entertaining, culminating with asking the crowd if tagging with Daniel, excuse me, tagging with Brian Danielson would be entertaining. And of course, the crowd is extremely into it, and Daniel pitches a match, he and Brian versus Guevara and Chris Jericho. And then we see Matt Menard jump on the mic, and he yells at Daniel Garcia, and he says they're sick of this crap, and threatens to punch Danielson and knock him out right here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And of course, Brian says he's got some good news, because he can have a match with anyone who wants to fight him. And so he wants daddy magic right now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes to all of this, okay? Uh, obviously, the, the, the end result, the, the, the um, Brian Donaldson versus daddy magic, you know, turn phrase, you know, got a lot of people's nipples hard, really. That, that match was just like, come on, come on, daddy magic. And, uh, yeah, the the whole thing with uh, with Brian sort of being there was like, is he going to do anything? And then it was actually Danny doing the uh, threatening on Sammy and and Chris, turning away from the obvious choice that you would have thought he would have made with two point with the people who he came in with, which is what uh, Matt Menard was sort of getting at. He was like, oh yeah, cool. Um, I'm not going to challenge the guys who helped me and brought me into this, uh, this company because I, I, I have a measure of respect. That's what it felt like to me at that point. Um, so it was like, uh-huh, 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 cool. And then that's probably why he felt slighted, like ignored. At least yeah. that's kind of the way it felt. Yeah, there's a couple different things that kind of happened sort of on the, on the last couple part there. I like the fact that he just yanks the mic out of Jericho's hand. He's like, I, I don't belong to you, and I don't have to do anything you tell me to do. All right, so builds tension. And he's all of a sudden, he's just like, you know what, we're sports entertainer. Maybe I'll take this pizza and throw it on the ground. Okay. You know, uh, maybe me and Justin Roberts will just be a tag team. Sounds good. And just kind of playing it up. That would be entertaining. Huh, right? Right, Chris? Right, everybody? You know what, you know what would be entertaining? Brian Danielson. And I, Daniel Garcia, versus you, Chris Jericho, and your boy, Sammy Guevara. So very, very interesting. He's going to lay in the, se- the seeds. And to your earlier point, I do like Brian just, just come in and sort of stirs the pot. He doesn't instigate. He's just like, you know what, dude? Like He, he starts off really, really hot. And I believe his verbiage was, comes in the ring, grabs a mic, and Brian Danielson's just like, you know what, Daniel? I have an infinite amount of respect for you type of thing. And then doesn't even sort of acknowledge Chris 
<laughs> at that, that point. was that was it like yeah. he, he didn't really do anything he just yeah. kind of stood there and was like he was like whenever your friend comes up and there's some punks just kind of starting something and your friend just rolls up and is like is everything okay and you're just kind of like yeah, yeah yeah i'm no i'm good like he doesn't really acknowledge anything he just kind of i'm here if you need me sort of thing and then uh I was expecting him to like you know, start calling Jericho out or something like this here, but yeah, it didn't. It didn't happen. Yeah, didn't have to needle. Didn't have to sort of kind of poke or prod or anything like that. Just kind of was like, hey, just 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 sprinkle a little bit in, just to be like ah, and kind of to get Danny to to run with it. And the piece with Matt Menard, like again, Matt gets on and he's just like, dude, I'm sick of this. Like we when you came here. You, we took you under our wing. You partnered with us. We looked out for one another. And he's right. And Daniel Garcia couldn't say anything because he was like, I, you, yeah, what you're stating is fact. You are stating yeah, exactly. fact. Exactly. And that's why I feel like he didn't call them out because of that particular reason. Like, yeah. I have no reason to attack you guys because regardless of what we've been doing in the JAS, you guys were the were there for me at the beginning. You're here for me now. I have no beef with you. I don't want to fight you and you know, you and the you know, I don't want to fight 2.0 essentially. I don't want to fight you two. Um but I have a problem with Jericho. So who'd be the, the next logical person? Well Hager's not here. Uh so let's just have the sex gods. Like so there you go. Yeah, Sammy kind Guevara of and Chris Jericho. The other, the other like young kid, kind of mm. the other sort of young single star, sort of in the JS yeah. alongside Daniel Garcia. Yeah, mm-hmm. and obviously like with Chris and Sammy, you know they've teamed before. You know they've been together in the inner circle and things like that. So they've had the history and type of thing. And not to say that. Danny Garcia is like the new flavor of the week, not anything like that, but he's just sort of like, he's the, he doesn't have that sort of deep established relationship that Chris and Sammy do. So it like, it, it actually kind of made sense. He was like, you know, you and your boy, Sammy type of thing, which they, again, they have that relationship. And then just the relationship built on admiration and respect that Brian Danielson and Danny Garcia have. So very interesting dynamic of the two pairings, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely within the confines of AEW. Jericho has obviously teamed before with Jake Hager, and then he has teamed with Sammy Guevara. There, he hasn't really teamed with uh, Danny Garcia in the entire time that you know he's he's been in part of the JAS. Um, so much so that you know that is you know they've got the we name for uh, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, um, but it it is one of those things that you can easily tell that Sammy is his boy because he went away from the inner circle with very little sort of reaction, and then a, about a month or two later came back dressed as Fuego del Sol, um, which by the way was great. And it was just one of those things that you're like, okay, so all you have to do is do this one thing and you're back in Chris Jericho's good books. Like there was no, there was no trials. There was no tests. It was just literally welcome back. 
Whereas if that was for anybody else, you know, and I feel like Danny Garcia would be like, okay, cool. Well, if the, if I had have done that, you'd probably been like, you know, screw me over or something. Here's food for thought on just that quick notion. Maybe it's because he did the same thing. He started the JAS with Hager, a holdover mm-hmm. from the inner circle. And Sammy eventually joined the JAS, a holdover yep. from the inner circle. So maybe it was right. one of those two, those two individuals that were like, well, I've went to war with these two guys. And I've there's battle tested, you know, they had the wasn't it the inner circle facing off against the pinnacle in the first like blood and guts? And that was when MJF uh shoved Jericho off of the cage through the uh steel looking yes. paper grids on the stage type of thing. The pillows. Right. So that now was you know, he's he's gone to battle with Jake and Sammy. So he's kind of like, all right, well, I can I can trust these guys. I can rely on them. I can vouch for them. So maybe it was one of those two that again he's has that prior established relationship that again, starting to an earlier point I had that Danny doesn't have. Maybe it's Danny kind of longing for for something. He's he, Danny's trying to find something, whatever that is. You know, he's in the JS right now. Is it the best or ideal spot for him? Who knows exactly, but it's definitely elevated his positioning and elevated him for sure. Is he longing for something different? Is he longing for something more? His character suggests that. So it adds that definitely that dynamic that Sammy is like super content. Him and Ty Mello are just are in there. They're living their best life. But Danny, Danny Garcia is conflicted. And it's just mm-hmm. those those two sammy and uh daniel you know juxtaposed together is an interesting dynamic as well yeah so like there's a lot there is a lot of interesting sort of dynamic to compare the two people to compare sammy to danny there is a lot of practical knowledge out there about sammy as well um that in the sense being when Sammy left the inner circle, he went off to have his solo run doing the TNT title, which right, right. let's face it was universally despised, not because it was he was a heel, and I'm sure he sees it as a win at being a heel, but honestly, um if I was watching it live, I would have turned off until he was off the TV. So he was more of a ratings black hole to me because everything he was doing, the promos were awkward. The um, the making out in public thing was just overdone. Um, you know, the, the, the sort of black hole of destruction that he had with uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Like, I really, I loved Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page as men of the year, but... I feel like they kind of got stained with the stink of just terrible story writing um, on this entire thing. And then because that failed and because Warlow took the title from him or from Scorpio um, uh, just after this whole thing was sort of encompassed in, in the Sami sphere, uh, Sami went back to the JAS. Like, he left just before and then he went back. 
So I feel like it's more of a safe haven for Sammy to be in a a sort of faction as the guy that's there and can compete. Because I don't feel like he's quite ready for um so that that solo sort of breakaway just yet. Um, either th- uh, through it's through no fault of his own, I I believe, because if it is the creative, then that is more what I would put on that. Whereas Danny has the opposite feeling to him. He's been putting on banger matches, and he feels like he is a completely different um style of person in this microcosm of the JAS that is sports entertainers and deserves to be having matches with huge talent. Like personally, another person that I would love to see him uh fight against who's coming back, Kanosuke Takeshita. I believe like a match between those two would be super good. And you know, other people I would love to see a um a Wheeler Yuta match again. Um, I would love just to see him against MJF as well. Like, there's a whole bunch of other people that I would love to see him, but because he is stuck in this sphere of Jericho, um, as well, it's just kind of deprives us of Danny. Yeah, that's I feel a... like he's the one that needs to break out. Yeah, it's very interesting. You notice that. Sammy made his way back to his partnership with Jericho after the inner circle into the JAS, and that's sort of a bit of a comfort zone, like you alluded to. And he's he feels kind of it's a little bit of a safe space where Danny's trying to break out of that, or the character of Daniel Garcia is trying to break out of that, and again search what he's looking for, find that kind of piece where he fits and belongs. So, yeah, I do find again just the juxtaposition of Sammy compared to Danny. I, I'll agree with uh, the points that you made. And mm. something that we mentioned as well in previous episodes and and some of and during some of our discussions too is the growth of Danny Garcia. Like we noticed too that again if we I mentioned I believe in the previous episode that we one of the first ones we covered in sort of episode one or early on in the show was the the nature of the uh, Blackpool Combat Club confronting the JS in a promo, and that was the one mentioning that the Lord Lordship William Regal with the toothbrush kind of thing. And Danny yeah. made sort of a singular comment, juxtaposed to now. Again, he he had a bit of time to speak on the mic, and he feels he feels and looks a little bit more comfortable. I'm not saying he's a hundred percent. Uh, what I'm going with is he's he's smoothed out a little bit of those rough edges. He he feels and seems a little bit more confident than he did all those months back. And that's a testament to him, again, sitting under the learning tree of, of Chris, probably being around uh, Matt Menard and Angela Parker, who also feel a little bit more comfortable speaking on the mic and things like that, just picking up little tidbits there. But yeah, it's one of those things that how do you get better? You work with people that are better than you. And it's one of those sharp iron sharpens iron type of things. But yeah, you can see that he's developed for sure as a as a little bit more well-rounded performer. Again, and taking nothing away from his wrestling ability, but I do feel like we've seen him grow a bit from when we started our show and sort of talked about him before. 
yeah, I've mentioned it before, and it's definitely something that I've I've paid attention to as well, and and seen, um, like yeah, like him trying to have a promo with you know Lord William Regal in the ring, and Chris Jericho and John Moxley and Brian Danson and and Eddie Kingston. Like, I don't care who you are, you are probably going to be nervous. Um, so to have him go from that point where he just had that little throwaway kind of little segment it's like you felt kind of awkward kid give the mic to the professionals to now where i really liked his you know sock to um luigi primo and then there's like oh you know, i could wake up uh wake up luigi and knock him out again and then with justin robertson i make a good tag team would that be entertaining i love that by the way i think i had the dapper yapper and uh danny garcia would make a great tag team uh, and then you know the you know the the train car is moving along to where we are now. It's like it was really good. It was a really good promo. Um, and a, a few months ago, I wouldn't have thought that he could have delivered a good promo. Agreed, and it's just one that I'm liking the fact that he is just getting better, feeling more comfortable of a thing. And I think we mentioned it also too during our pre-production meeting. Wheeler Yuta had a promo as well this week and again he's not had a ton of opportunities to speak on the mic for himself i believe this is about his third promo full-fledged being able to speak and he's feeling better wheeler was in his hometown of philadelphia and it can be tough like you mentioned to have a promo against the likes of mjf like wheeler did like uh against chris jericho like Danny Garcia did and things like that. You know, it's one of those sink or swims and kind of swimming with the sharks and guys who feel more comfortable on the mic type of thing. And But again, both those individuals, Danny and Wheeler, getting their reps, you got to practice. That's the only way to do it, to get better, is you got to do it. And again, you can learn and, and get a little bit of help and understanding from people that are better than you. But yeah, again, these guys are getting better, and it's great to see. You want to see these guys develop and get better. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. Like the Wheeler Yuta promo, we we talked about as well. The passion came through from Wheeler being in his hometown, um, and the passion came out for Danny uh, in this in this ring in ring promo as well. Um, you know, it, there was definite uh, elements for both of these young stars um, where they were learning and progressing. Um, and I loved Wheeler's promo because he called out. MJF on MJF on how he gets his heat. And it's a simple formula for being a heel. Insult everyone, say you're the best. He is not reinventing the wheel, ladies and gentlemen. MJF has a very basic formula. Look like a stuck-up prick. Tell them stuff about yourself that makes you, in your opinion, better than you, the, you know, the unwashed masses. Like, that is legitimately all you have to do. Insult the sports team, say they're stupid. If you go back in time to every heel ever, they insult the sports team, they call you stupid, they say you're fat, they say you smell, you say you have an ugly wife or whatever. He's not reinventing the wheel. And Wheeler Uter's promo like, did exactly that. And I feel like that's another step in the progress of direction for these guys. Like I would love to see them to get more work done even together. Like 
maybe maybe Yuta and Garcia can get together and Yuta can just call out Garcia as like, yo, bro, what are you doing? Like, you know, you part of that sports entertainment BS. You coming over here now. Uh, I want another shot at the, the pure championship, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Dude, what, whatever way it works. But I want to see those two together again. I don't think I can understand that enough. Time-tested formula. It works. You just got to be able to be suave and work the formula to what works best for you. But it does work for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. So those were our thoughts on the Jericho Appreciation Society celebration at Open Dynamite. Let us know down in the comments below on YouTube or on Twitter and Instagram what your thoughts were on the celebration for the Ocho Chris Jericho. Means it. All right, and our other topic here is we're going to look at the Ring of Honor World Championship match that ended at Dynamite. So we see Bandito make his entrance, as well as Chris Jericho or Regalia. And we see the, we start off the match with the Code of Honor in full effect, but Jericho flips Bandito off and earns a bunch of right hands in return. Chris lands with some <laughs> Chris lands with some lariats and sent to the floor back inside and we go to the break. And back from commercial Bandito is back in control and we have an, an absolutely incredible delayed vertical suplex counting with the crowd for nearly a full minute before dropping Chris. And then quickly Bandito climbs to the top rope and performs a frog splash but does not get the three count. And out of the corner, Jericho comes with a lariat and up to the top, Bandito knocks him down and drives right into a code breaker and unfortunately does not still yet get the pin. And then to the apron, Bandito with the elbows, but Jericho punches him right in the nose and it follows it up with an avalanche Frankensteiner to the floor as they go to break. And when we see, of course, that looks that he may, Bandito, may have busted his nose or busted his lip because we see a little bit of blood coming onto the mask itself. But since they are going to the ad break, following the Frankensteiner from the apron, hot dang. Nice kind of fun start to the match, especially with the beginning with the code of honor there, a little bit with that handshake to start. That that handshake at the star, man. Like he looks like he goes to do it, and then he grabs the hat, and then he then he fist bumps, and then he back of the hat, and then he flips <laughs> it off. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, we we figured. <laughs> it's just like, oh come on, Jericho. I, I thought that was really good because wasn't it Ian Riccoboni on um on commentary was yes, like it's like oh it's just just typical Chris Jericho sort of can't believe the coat he's insulting the code of honor or whatever it was he said. Um, by the way, his commentary throughout the match is just great because he was just giving digs to, to Jericho. Um, I, I do like the fact that um, with these Ring of Honor matches as well, uh, we do hear, I believe, Bandito was the 35th or 36th Ring of Honor champion. Yeah, I believe th right Jericho's in that pocket, 35, 36, yeah. yeah. And Chris Jericho, I believe, is the 38th. I believe so, yeah. So it's, it's nice to hear, it's like, this is the, you know, whatever number champion versus the whatever number champion. And, you know, uh, 
I personally have only seen Bandito once, and it was uh, it was from the Ring of Honor pay per view earlier on in the year. Was it Bound for Glory? No, no that's that's the that's, Impact, that's Impact ones. Yes, Death Before Dishonor. Um, Death Before Dishonor, where he uh, where he was against. Um, oh my goodness, my names names people. Remember no, this was my apologies. This was Supercard of Honor against uniting uh jonathan gresham so 100 percent. no you're correct yes yes so, yes against jonathan super card, gresham for that super card of honor uh yeah for the because bandito now, was stripped of the title uh yeah. because of uh the pandemic um, yeah and jonathan gresham went uh whatever so you know that all aside cool history um i like the fact that he was um it was a really good match with gresham back at uh back in there but this match was like so much bigger, so much better. And there, there is obvious information out there about myself where I have said I hate spot fests, where everything has to be a spot. I think, you know, Jeff Hardy versus uh, uh, Darby, Darby Allen, Allen. A, a while ago, where I complained nonstop that it was just a spot fest and it was boring. This had spot, rest, you know, a little bit of. A bit of action was going on. It was an actual wrestling match. Spot, and then you know a little bit of action going. Spot, like it was really good. It was really well paced, and it was really, really. Uh, it 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 was set up to allow Bandito to look amazing, and amazing he looked because that stalling vertical suplex was some of the gnarliest stuff because you could tell. Like okay, like Ian Riccoboni on on. Uh, on commenters, like he's the strongest pound for pound wrestler to the in Ring of Honor. There's another guy who used to be the Ring of Honor world champion, could be called the strongest pound for pound wrestler. And I would like to see those two fight now. So, anyway, him just holding it, you can see like he's, he's nice and straight, nice and straight. And you can see, oh, he's kind of arching back, and Chris is coming forward, and he's like, he's trying to help, he's trying to count people getting up there in numbers. I think, I think it was like about a minute, like he held him up there and then just drops. I just kind of sat there going, Okay, man, you want to put him down at any point? <laughs> and then they made really good observation where he was up there so long and then he came down, you know, pins and needles in the fingertips and the arms, blood rushing back to your back to your extremities and stuff. But the amount it took out of Bandito to do that, like that could be that it would be exhausting. And the spots that he had just done, like and the spots that he's about to do? You talk what? about you talk about making a guy making his AEW debut. And for a lot of folks, like you had mentioned, really the first opportunity to see this guy on American mainstream television and for an American audience. Luckily, I've got a chance to see Bandito work a couple of times beforehand, so I had an idea of what he was kind of gonna do. But man, we're talking about a strong showing highlight the delayed vertical suplex. You know, we've seen guys like Goldberg has, you know, when he does the jackhammer, he'll hold uh, some guys up for, you know, a few seconds. We've seen the likes of the British bulldog show off his strength and just do a delayed vertical suplex. But the nature of the vertical suplex here, it's always fun when you can get the crowd just when you do something or you do nothing and they go bananas, right? The fact that he did this, it's just a suplex. 
it's just, it's you know it's it's not we're not doing destroyers or we're not doing topes and we're doing a suplex right and the fact that he held it there and you know chris chris is you know over 200 pounds he's you know he's not uh he's not certainly super super heavy but that's regardless we'll just call it like 205 210 that's still 200 pounds that you're holding up in the air you're trying to balance right that's for the guts of about a minute absolutely incredible showing by both men i give both men credit for that too mm-hmm. it was absolutely incredible man like yeah and then you know before as we we took a break in the matchup here that frankensteiner to the outside showing strength uh, he did the frog splash, showing agility, you know, showing the propensity to have a varied move set. Man, he was just, he was coming off strong. And I think a lot of folks were just enjoying either their first time or return viewing of Bandito. Yeah, like, there's a lot of people out there that probably look at that and go, you know, just you mentioning the weight of Chris kind of put in my head, like, People will look or, or listen to that and, and hear, oh, well, that's that amount, and he's holding it. He's holding it up. It's like, yes, he's holding 200 plus uneven pounds. Uh, so, like, you can go to the gym and you'll see guys who are doing doing reps of big weight. You know, you probably you know, sat back at home, sat back at home being armchair muscle man, being, I could do that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could probably lift that static weight that is evenly distributed along the bar. This guy had uneven weight on his right side of his body, like from his midriff to his shoulder and above. And he had to hold his own balance, balance another human being and hold him there on his like knees, hips, back, shoulders, like everything. So that was super difficult. Like you said, this is his debut in AEW. And I can't think of a more powerful, impactful debut from a little cause like sees it no name individual compared to the likes of the uh, Adam Coles, the Brian Danielsons, the big name debuts who just kind of got over on their name. This guy, Bandito, made just as big an impact for me personally based off of his ability. And I will not soon forget this match just because of his performance and how good he was. Yeah, to further put Bandito over to supplement your point earlier about just lifting weight or lifting uneven weight, you know, there's one thing to like, all right, maybe I'm just going to press 200 pounds over my head, for example. But then, you know, one of the things too that's very challenging, we talk about uneven weight, sometimes you see those kind of like either sandbag filled or those weighted dummies that imitate a uh, person's torso, right? And you try to think of like, think of like firemen or firefighters trying to do what's called a fireman's carry, where you put a, basically a person onto your shoulders. That is one of the toughest things to do is to, is to lift a somebody, let's just call 200 pounds, call it even something in that pocket. But again, it's very un- distributed weight like a lot of that stuff sort of in the torso you know the the legs can be uh you know a little bit heavier than the arms per se but yeah it's just not easiest thing to basically like especially if somebody's on the ground uh lot mm. forbid they're in a chair or they're they're kind of lying down but like yeah to get that get that full uneven weight up onto your shoulders and just 
carry, but then to have them be a vertical position, but then also uneven sort of on your right side, like you mentioned, dude's beast. Ridiculous. He, he, so further put him on. Can't put it any other way. Yeah. Yeah, can't put it any other way. He was just, just amazing. Big strong boy. <laughs> All right. So we come back from commercial and we see Bandito doing a sunset flip near fall. Whereas Jericho, with a near fall of his own, float over into a suplex. And we get that Bandito with a really interesting and just awesome crucifix driver, but it's not enough as well. See a back breaker rack. And then we see Chris blocks the knee and puts the walls of Jericho in on Bandito in the middle of the ring. Bandito gets the ropes, uh, Jericho with some stomps, and then a suplex perching up top, and he gets met with an insiguri. We see up top Bandito with an absolutely insane avalanche moonsault fallaway slam for a two count. Wasn't even the finish. And we get a couple of forearms, a backbreaker, Rack once again dropped into a knee, rebound German suplex, and Chris Jericho just doesn't give up easily. And then finish of the match here, we see Chris pulls down the mask and get an inside cradle for a two count on Bandito. Get a big boot, a double leg, a lion tamer is applied, and unfortunately Bandito can't see and has nowhere to go and taps out to the lion tamer having Chris Jericho retain the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. Moonsault. Avalanche moonsault. Fall away uh, slam. Fall away slam. Like, I, I just don't know what it was. Or a two count. Or a two that, count. That spot lives rent-free in my head right now. Okay, It has been living there since uh, Wednesday night. This was amazing. Like, I just kind of watched it and I went back to watch it because I was like, what is this? I went back to watch it again. I was like, all the way slam, moonsault. Like, what, how do you describe this? And even those on commentary were like, I don't know what to call that. I hope he has a name for it because he now needs to do it again. But obviously, it's not something you can do with a really heavy person. And also, this is coming to my earlier point. The energy he expanded in that stalling vertical suplex, like, he came down almost on his forehead. Like, Chris was perfectly safe. But the way Bandito came down, he was maybe an inch, two inches away from landing on his forehead and possibly doing, you know, a jerk in motion to his neck. When like, when I saw uh, him, when I saw them both on the top rope, and then I see Bandito again on the top rope, grab Chris in and a carry. I'm like, what are we gonna do? And then I see him begin to do a backflip. I was like, I, I, I yeah. And then basically, my eyes were locked on his like head and face. Mm -hmm. So when I saw the same thing. When he does the backflip, the moonsault, and again, tough to do on your on just by itself. And then you're also doing this like fall away slam, this carry with a person again, another roughly 200 pounds. He does a backflip, and I yeah, there was not a ton of clearance uh, for for his head and his face 
when he performed that backflip, that moonsault part of it. And I got super nervous when they landed it. You know, I th- maybe maybe it's in my mind, but we see kind of Chris kind of turn over and he's like, are you okay? Okay. And we see Bandito get up. So I was like, you know what? Like, if this is the finish or if it's not the finish, I'm just glad that like they're both okay. That's literally the only thing in my mind. I was like, I, whatever, you know, I just, I don't want them to get hurt. Glad they were both okay. 100% glad they're both okay. But like that, I, I, I could go back and I'll watch it again. If I have to, like, if I have to watch this again and again, it was such a good move. You obviously can't use it for specific opponents because, you know, heavier weight. I would like to have seen it before the stalling suplex because maybe he wouldn't have been as messed up, but but its placement in the match was obvious. It was supposed to get a count. Um such a good move i didn't i didn't notice the jericho moving over because i was i was honestly kind of sat there going rewind watch it again rewind watch it again just going out of my mind going what the heck is this weirdness and then two kind i'm like you're not gonna sell that why let him do this if you're not gonna you know and so you know my uh my disbelief or, or, or my, my, uh, my sort of common sense and my, my fandom took over like my, my childlike sort of belief that everybody has to beat Chris Jericho uh, came out and was like, why didn't Jericho lose right there? What is wrong? And then you remembered it's a title match. You're like, oh, okay, well, Jericho's not losing. Yeah, I do appreciate, you know, Chris obviously being a, a stalwart and being, for lack of a term, a pillar for AEW. He gave a lot. He gave a lot of shine to Bandito in this. And the fact that Chris posted in that vertical suplex for nearly a minute, the fact that he, he allowed and agreed to, you know, the, the moonsault following slam, he gave a lot to him. And I felt in part making a strong showing for Bandito. Ultimately, Chris did a little shenanigans at the end, pulling down the mask and obscuring that and, ultimately getting the lion tamer for the win but these guys had their working boots on and they you know what for a guy making his debut they both made each other look good and i was just blown away and i think again i'll reiterate strong showing from bandito all around just solid match oh yeah i can't say can't say any much more than that like the Chris Jericho really did give him so much. Um, I, I feel like it's going to be a staple of Chris's run where we see um, him cheat to win. Not like out now blatantly cheat, but you do the little sneaky sort of uh, pull a mass in on a mass opponent that like he did here, which is really good. Um, and we'll probably see, you know, maybe a, 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 a heel kick low blow. Um, you know, over here, there, and everywhere. You know, maybe the the, the little slight things uh, before we get to the uh, eventual Brian Danielson. Um, you know, kicking him off the the mountain of uh, Ring of Honor uh, to restore honor and dignity to the championship. And speaking, but, um, and speaking of which, we see post match Jericho basically challenges. And he sets the bar out there, says he's going to beat every great champion that's ever held that Ring of Honor World Championship, including setting up that match with Brian Danielson on October 
wealth. So yeah, we are we are just going to see another amazing match and starting off hot with his sort of gauntlet, if you were, just kind of set of challenges and beginning with Brian on October twelfth. So mm. yeah, I I kind of I kind of want um I kind of both want this match soon, but I also don't want it because I would rather have Brian be the one to take this off him. I feel, I don't know if they're comfortable with giving the title over to Brian so quickly. Like, I don't feel like it's it's kind of something that they're going to do here. Um, I could be wrong, but um, it's definitely something that I feel it would benefit from... The title would benefit from being, it sounds really bad, dragged through the mud in Chris Jericho's hands for a little bit longer to make it seem like he really just has so much disdain for this and to have someone come in and be that hero to and I would I would like to see that be Brian. There is an obvious second choice, Adam Cole. But I'm not 100% sure if he comes back from injury, do you go with him? Like, it's in the back of my head. It's questioning because they mentioned him as a former Ring of Honor champion. Former three-time, um, three-time world uh, Ring of Honor champion. Well, I did not know that. So, you know, Adam Cole, baby, uh, is rumored to be getting better and closer to a return. It's the one thing that could possibly, you know, would really, really be awesome if Adam Cole came back jacked AF just to, you know, peeve a lot of people off because everybody was giving him ish for uh, for being skinny and not defined and all this hair and they stop that. Um, but yeah, him just coming back and, and taking the title, well, cool, okay. But I would really sort of hope that they drag the title through the mud a little bit longer to my point. Um, do you, do you, like, what do you, what do you think? I could see him going one of the two ways. I can see it. Chris, I do like that point of kind of disparaging the belt a little bit, downplaying it type of thing, only for the eventual person to defeat him to kind of have sort of that triumphant moment. But I can also see it, you know, for example, we're having him face Brian rather shortly in a couple of weeks. So I can see it being sort of a pseudo transitional reign for Chris. Chris gets his eighth world championship. They get the belt off of Claudio and give it to Brian potentially as a, not quite a make good, but it's one of those just like, all right, well, you know, you didn't win the AW world title, but it's pseudo consolation prize. Have you just run strong with the ring of honor title? Wouldn't wouldn't mind, so I could see it going both ways, honestly. Hmm. I, I I do hope that they. I mean, I I know it sounds really bad. <laughs> I hope they do drag that thing through the mud, to, so that we can have this sort of triumphant storyline. I just feel like everything that Chris Jericho touches turns to gold, and I would love to see him have this. Uh, culminate in a victory and a triumphant sort of um, rebirth for Ring of Honor. 
Um, and especially if there are plans for Ring of Honor to uh, have any sort of TV deals in the future, um, bring it to TV, bring it to whatever they're doing with it. Um, only time will tell with TK. Uh, so it's it's very it's very interesting. Um, I like the Ocho, the Magic Man, the Champion, the Pain Maker, the Lion Tamer. What else is he? Y2J. The Demo God. Demo God. Insert anything. more. Yeah, just we'll we'll settle yeah. for that. So I love I love all of the titles that Chris Jericho has. I think in in this the sort of um the sort of latter parts of his career, he is really good. You see that he's being you know, people complain that he's being a bit selfish, but honestly. That match that he had with Bandito was anything but selfish. That was such a selfless match. Yes, yeah, sure, he got the win, but Bandito really won. Yeah, he was. He may not have won the war, uh, won the uh, battle, but he definitely won a war in terms of getting more exposure and just kind of having an overall win at the end of the night for his career for sure. So we'll see kind of how it goes. And there was murmurs of. Potentially TK really enjoying Bandito's work, and maybe we could see an offer on the table. Who knows? But I think it was just again all around just amazing match, and yeah, we uh, we can go on for days, and we'd be talking in circles just about how the same thing. Just he Bandito looked strong, and it was just a great showing for him. Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. I could just start repeating myself all over again and be just as happy doing it. So yeah. All right, so those were our thoughts on the Ring of Honor World Championship match between Chris Jericho and Bandito. Let us know down in the comments on YouTube what your thoughts were for this matchup, or let us know on Twitter and Instagram what you thought of this match. All right, so a tiny aside here, normally with a pay-per-view coming up, this would normally be the piece where we would do some predictions. But we figured we wanted to try something a little bit different. So this coming week, before WWE's Extreme Rules pay-per-view, we are going to try to do a little something kind of fun. We're going to do a live stream where we simulate the matches for Extreme Rules in WWE 2K22. So for those that aren't aware... Uh, both Joker and I are gamers, and we've uh, we've have Twitch streams of our own. We uh, we end up playing games and doing various things on there. But yeah, we're now with doing the now with doing neither the, of us are particularly active right now at the moment. <laughs> we've been putting a little bit more energy into the show proper here, and have been doing that for the last couple months, especially. But kind of hearkening back to kind of where we came from and kind of doing something a little different. We wanted to try that out. So the, again, just simulating the matches here and just kind of having predictions and kind of enjoying the matches and talking about them during said live stream. So what we have here for the Extreme Rules card at the moment, got Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. We have Matt Riddle versus Seth Rollins in a fight pit match. Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a strap match. Not a strap on. 
We have Bianca Belair versus <laughs> Bailey in a ladder match for the Raw Women's Championship. Edge versus Finn Balor in an I Quit match. And just added the other day, the Brawling Brutes faces off, facing off against Imperium in a six-man good old-fashioned Donnybrook match, which will just probably be, you know, a no DQ, probably falls count anywhere type of thing. But yeah, at the moment, it's six matches slated. Uh, we might uh, we might add a couple of uh, maybe a little fun little pieces in there, maybe throw in a match or two that we think's probably going to happen. You know, uh, both the WWE and AEW is very prone, especially AEW, for adding especially matches AEW. very very late to there. But yeah, we have a uh, so far six matches. We have an idea of maybe one or two more. But yeah, we're just. Thinking again, try a little something different, have a nice little live stream, just kind of chat and have the matches simmed and just kind of have fun with it. So. Yeah, so like 2K is obviously going to be limited in what it can help us do. So the fight pit match is going to be different. Uh, there are going to be certain differences in some matches. The main thing we're looking for is we're just going to kind of simulate simulate the match, talk about it, and then just kind of say, oh yeah, well, we kind of agree that this is the outcome. It's probably not how we're getting there, obviously. Uh, but um, we do we do want to try and do something a little bit different. We'll try this for a couple uh, for a couple of the events. It was, it was something that uh, Tony brought up, and um, I thought it was a really, really good idea. At least uh, it gives us um, gives us less of an excuse to ramble on and uh, more of an excuse to uh, kind of just chill out, relax, and watch this happen, and go, oh yeah, no, I could, I could see that happening. And then yeah, so I'm, I'm the added effect of if you join us in the chat, you can tell us live there and then whether or not you agree with us um, or disagree with us. Yeah, hundred percent. So if you are interested, definitely come join us this coming Wednesday, October fifth. It's going to be happening at nine p.m. BST. For the UK, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. So once again, the come join us for the live stream again Wednesday, October 5th, 9 p.m. BST for the UK, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. So let us know in, uh, how your thoughts are going to go down for the upcoming predictions of WWE Extreme Rules 2022. All right, time for some quick hits. So once again, for some of the folks that are newer and less familiar, quick hits are little segments that happened throughout the week that we wanted to highlight and we wanted to talk about that, <clears throat> excuse me, we may not have gotten a chance to talk about full-fledged proper in the shows and the topics that we went over, but we wanted to share them nonetheless because we enjoyed them. And we had fun with them, and we just wanted to say, hey, I like this, or sort of that pop the boys segment. So I'll go ahead and start us off. Excuse me. All right. My quick hit comes from AEW Dynamite, and this one happened during the Brian Danielson-Matt Menard match here. We see Angelo Parker, of course, Matt Menard's partner, made his presence felt throughout the matchup, including pulling Daddy Magic outside of the ring when uh, Brian was going for some kicks. 
He ended up uh, pushing him out of the way when he was going for a diving knee and actually hit a DDT to Brian on the floor. So we see there the obvious advantage with Angelo Parker on the outside. But to even the odds, feeling the disadvantage, Claudio Castagnoli, Brian's BCC partner, comes down to the ring to even the odds. We see Claudio go to grab Parker, but he rips his jacket off. And Parker dives around the ring post, but ends up getting a massive European uppercut from Castagnoli. And then at the end here, we see Claudio just end up finishing off here. We see Claudio getting the gut wrench on Parker and just slings him over his own shoulder and just carries Parker all the way effortlessly up the ramp into the back. And it's ridiculous, the scary power that Claudio has. We talked about the power that Bandito has. This is another guy that has that ridiculous strength and the effortlessness that he carried Angelo Parker to the back was amazing and comical all at the same time. It was just hilarious. It was just amazing. Like you said, this Bandito strong, pine for pine, this guy. I don't know if he's stronger, but I kind of want to find out. Put these two together in a match soon, please. It was ridiculous. And again, it was just something that sort of happened kind of on the outside and an auxiliary to the match itself. But it was one of those I was like, this is this is amazing. This is incredible. It's also funny because he's like, yep. he's just like a screaming child slung over Claudio's shoulders, kind of like, no, don't no, take Daddy, me. I don't yeah. So I think that he started kicking and kicking his feet and stuff. <laughs> I think Parker oh, selling dear. it also made it fantastic. So mm. yeah, just I thought that was funny. I thought it was amazing. I had fun with it. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to share it. It's so good. So yeah, so that was my quick hit from this week, uh, Joker. Do you have any quick hits that you'd like to share? I have two this week, PG. Hey, let's go. It's, it's a it's a bonus week for Joker because normally. I have zero to one, and this week I have the two. My first one comes from this week's Smackdown in uh, coming from Canada, where uh, the maximum meal models were going for the title of Longest Pose. Max coming in and hearing this was obviously disgusted as the boys begin to set up and start to pose. And it was an ongoing segment throughout the show. We see people uh, like Hit Row come in and obviously start something. We see Shinsuke come in and pose with the boys for a bit and then get kind of confused as to why they're all doing this and walks off. Um, even Kevin Owens comes in and offers some tips to Marseille with his hand. It should be a little bit higher, makes it a little bit more effective, as he says. Um, but near the end of the show, we see. Uh, Maxine start to count down uh, the how how much longer they need to pose for, and fr- straight out of left field, uh, as you said, you know, getting Pearl Harbor basically uh, was uh, was Max Dupree coming in with a run in on Monsieur and uh, or Monsoir, sorry, and uh, he just knocks them both down. They're all on the ground. And he just berates them, uh, takes his belt off with a big M on it, 
And he just goes, maybe this just wasn't for me, and throws the belt down, and he goes, yeah, and walks off. And this is how much it popped me, ladies and gentlemen. For the rest of the day, I was walking around the house just going, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw the dog in the hallway, yeah, <laughs> just looking at the dog, I'm visibly confused. Um, but yeah, it was, this was, uh, I'm sad because I love the maximum male models for the audacity, the stupidity, the silliness, the sports entertainment, but we are getting LA night and I couldn't be happier. I have to say when I was watching SmackDown and I saw this segment and then I saw the piece again, the aforementioned Max come out, take the belt off and say, this wasn't for me. And he said the, yeah. It was, I instantly thought of you. And then when you told me as we we're getting prepped for the show, I was like, you wanted to mention this. I was like, I just, I knew it. I knew you were going to say something and I needed it. I needed <laughs> you to reiterate. So I love it. Yeah. It's just nice little subtle thing there. Harkening to the sort of rumors that was like, maybe the, you know, person who is portraying the Max Dupree character wasn't comfortable or wasn't full-fledged or all into it so it was kind of just like you know what maybe this wasn't for me and i and like i forget the exact verbiage was like but i knew it you know type of thing or something like that and then the yeah type of thing and it's just oh man it was uh planting those seeds and i and again made me instantly think of you and it just it worked it popped me and i was like i knew it i knew it i was just so happy to hear that yeah <laughs> just like, just and i love the i love the fact that you were just you're just saying yeah to like in the hallway to the dog. I love it. I watched it this morning because I can't watch it at, the, at, at live. And I just went, I would just walk, walk out, go grab myself a coffee, saw the dog, and went, yeah. <laughs> just walked on. <laughs> just as like, yeah. <laughs> For about 20, 30 minutes after this show. Just, yeah. Pop me big. I love it. My second bookhead. Now, uh, last week, obviously, PT had mentioned that uh, we were seeing a little bit of primo acting from Jey Uso uh, surrounding the t-shirt ceremony for Sami Zayn. Now, this week, after uh, a successful uh, bout in the ring with Solo Sokoa getting the big dub, um, Sammy and uh, Solo come back to the dressing room. We had heard that the, the Usos have been given the night off, so they probably weren't there because they are now record-breaking um, or coming up to... I think they, they have actually achieved the record-breaking uh, length of time for um, holding the tag titles. They've beaten the, um, the New Day now, or they're about to. And they get to the dressing room, only for it to be locked. And Sammy's a wee bit surprised. And out pops Jey Uso. Just kind of, you know, have a wee bit of back and forth, wee bit of bounce. And, you know, Solo walks in. And fair enough. Jay stops Sammy and kind of looks at him and goes, I know what you're doing. I see what you're doing. If you do anything to harm this family, I'm going to come for you. I want to get you. And it's this storytelling, like we have loved the storytelling of Sami Zayn in the bloodline for a while is not anything that's going on that I am upset about. I think last week I was getting a wee bit 
worried that it maybe this was the end. But now that we're seeing Jey Uso become possibly the boy who cried wolf, this could be an amazing setup for a betrayal angle and the possible end of the bloodline becoming in sight. Because what is Jay going to do? Is he going to rat Sammy out? You know, is he going to try and sow seeds of dissent? Is he going to get himself kicked out because he's, you know, people are sick of him and his conspiracies against Sammy because Sammy's nothing but trustworthy? Because don't forget, Sammy has saved practically everybody from a devastating move. You know, like the Claymores, like Solo and, and Roman have both, have, have both been saved. You know, he has that he has that rapport with Jimmy. But now Jay is on the outside looking in and he goes, I'm gonna defend my family from this intruder. And he has no trust for Sammy. And this is where the story is going to get good. That was another one that I just was like, man, ooh, very small segment, maybe about a minute. But it was, I was enthralled the entire time. And of course, again, this was a follow-up to just the part that I had mentioned last week in a short. And then you mentioning it here as well, like, comes in and just... I've, somebody had made a comment on the short that featured the, the t-shirt ceremony, as, as you put it. And somebody was just like, man, this was... I think the nature of the comment was like, man, I just hope they don't fumble it. And I just, I responded back to their YouTube comment just about how like, it's, it's really, really good. The layers to this story, the, the different kind of, kind of spin they have on it. And I mentioned in it too, like Jay being the first member to enter the bloodline, he went to battle with Roman and him being, Ro Jay being Roman's right hand. And he's basically the sort of enforcer or the sort of kind of bodyguard to that and they basically in an organization like that you think about depending on the organization you have that that particular person or in clubs they have the sergeant at arms and they keep everybody in line and he just comes out and saying you might have everybody else fooled but i see right through you i see what you're doing right and you know what you moment you step out of line i'm gonna take care of you and that's his role you know as roman's right hand as his sort of sergeant at arms and it was just like you know what I'm putting you on notice. I notice you and I see you. But then Sammy claps back and he goes, well, let's see how Roman feels about that. Because again, to his credit, he's taken those bullets. He's taken those charges for pretty much everybody in the bloodline. You know, he's taken that, he's taken those hits for them. So he's, you know, he's proved his worth. It's not just like, you know, I'm trying to skeeving. So it's like, you can understand Jay's point of view and you mm. can understand Sammy's point of view. And yep. that's when stories are just really, really engaging, is when you yep. can understand and relate to both characters' perspectives. And that's what makes this so enthralling, and that's why I think the folks like you and I and other people are just so drawn to this story and this little dynamic between these two. Yeah, it's definitely become a story that has evolved out of the bloodline. Um, that at a time when the bloodline was honestly getting stale, um, more so because Roman's never on TV, 
the Usos were holding it down, but they were kind of having the same matches all the time, and it was getting boring. But now this intrigue, this actual story within the microcosm of the bloodline is kind of accelerating through um, through its stages of, well, we're, we're here now. We're actually going to tell you something different. This is the beginning of the end um, for some people. Um, but is it the end that we're expecting? Is it the end that everybody else is expecting? There's only one way to find out. And at the minute, Jay and Sammy are my absolute favorite sports entertainers slash wrestlers. I'm in agreement. I'm liking what they're doing. It's reinvigorated life into the storyline. I'm going to hearken back to the commenter on the YouTube comment, and I just hope that they don't drop the ball with the execution of the next steps slash the end of the storyline. So we're hoping for better. We like what we got going on. Uh, Papa H has garnered a lot of faith and trust from the fans. So we'll see how this definitely plays out. But yeah, absolutely wonderful little moment right there and fantastic quick hit for sure. All right, so those were our quick hits from this week. Definitely let us know down in the comments on YouTube or on Twitter or Instagram what your quick hits and what your favorite moments were from this week in wrestling. All right, so that about wraps it up for us. Joker, how was that for you, man? This was uh, this was another fun one for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, absolute silliness this week in uh, in sports entertainment land. Um, some nice uh, some nice wrestling went in there too, uh, but definitely a lot of sports entertainment, and my little uh, my little evil heart was happy. You got to have a nice balance, right? We need to have the wrestling because obviously it's a wrestling program. So you need some of that. Yep. We've had some good matches. Again, the aforementioned Ring of Honor World Championship match. But then also, you know, it's part sports entertainment. And we were definitely sports entertained with just we'll highlight the three quick hits that we had. Again, they were just segments that happened within the sphere that were just like, man, this is awesome. And I just didn't thoroughly enjoyed. And we were both sports entertained. 100%. Yeah, so definitely a nice little fun match and just overall segments here. So definitely we appreciate that. And again, it's always a pleasure when we can chat and just about symbolics about wrestling. <laughs> always. And again, before we duck out, thank you guys so much for all the support. Again, on the YouTube side for the folks, again, checking out our shorts and our full-fledged episodes and just giving us a moment of your time and the comments and the likes we've been appreciated it definitely lets us know that you are enjoying the content so if you feel like we've earned it feel free to throw a like comment or subscribe and just let us know how we're doing and letting us know that those types of content we're putting out is enjoyable and also on the audio side, thank you so much. We're uh, over 400 downloads altogether, so that was mind-boggling. For 19 episodes in, the fact that we've had that many from just being two guys just kind of talking about wrestling for, I'll say it kindly, for not celebrity guys or not kind of big followings in ourselves, but folks have re responded So on the video side and the audio side. So thank you so much for those audio downloads. 
And again, feel free to give us a follow if you feel like we've earned it or let us know. Just comment on the various platforms and let us know how we're doing. So thank you again for all the support. Yeah, help us to improve. If you don't like it, tell us why. If you do, tell us why. If you want less of my face, that's no problem. We can just edit me out. It's okay. A little blur filter over both of our cameras. So. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, I don't know why we put a blur over, over yours, but it's fine. My face will do. Yeah, one of the best things that folks, especially creators, can get is feedback to let us know what we're doing well, but also let us know what we, we're not doing well. So, again, if you feel like you earned it, just let us know. And uh, either way, we appreciate all the support that you've given us. All right, so for TF Joker. Yeah. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.